Good morning. I want to wish you a happy new year. Hard to believe 2023 is coming to an abrupt end, but today's the day that we will turn the page. And we hope and pray that this next year that you will find this year prosperous, that God will bless you, and that many, many good things will take place in your life. And we pray that the church here might grow and be what God would have it to be, not only numerically, but also spiritually. We've got so many opportunities, and we want to seize those opportunities and do what we can to help this community see Christ and Him crucified. Some years back, a friend of mine, were, a friend of mine and I were in the Independence, Missouri area, and we had some time on our hands, and so we had the opportunity to take a guided tour through the home of one of the great presidents in this country, Harry Truman. Harry Truman was not a man of great stature, but he welded, as we might say, a big stick. And it was through his leadership that our country was able to turn the page on what I believe to be a very dark period in our history. In John chapter 8, we have an account of Jesus in a discussion with the Jews of his day. Some of those Jews were Pharisees. They were his antagonists. And sadly, many of those folks did not see him for who he was, and that was the Son of God. And in John chapter 8, we have an extended discussion that's taking place between Jesus and the Jews, specifically some of the Pharisees. He was in Jerusalem to observe the Feast of Tabernacles. And in the 8th chapter of the book of John, we find him in the temple, in the treasury. And Jesus is trying to stress to them that God the Father, God the Father, was bearing witness of Him, and that God was His Father. Now, there were many that did not accept His claims, but the text tells us that there, that there were many who did, in fact, believe in Him. But in John chapter 8, what Jesus had to say to the Jews of that day was that there is the possibility that you can turn the page on a life of sin and that you can accept me, serve me, and see me for who I am. Today is the last day of 2023. The Lord willing, we will turn the page in just a few hours. What I want to encourage us to consider in our study today has to do with turning the page on a life of sin. To understand that Jesus is the answer to a life that's been broken by sin. So number one, there is what I would suggest to you, the incarceration of sin. Jesus was talking to some of the noted religious leaders of his day, and sadly they were blind to his deity. 
Not only were they blind to his deity, but they were blind to their spiritual condition. And Jesus would make that abundantly clear a little bit later, as recorded by John in chapter 9, when he healed a man that had been born blind. The religious leaders on that occasion, they thought they were okay. As you well know, the Pharisees, they prided themselves on demonstrating their righteousness before others. And I would grant that externally, they fit the bill. But what Jesus said was, internally, you're full of dead men's bones. You're unclean. Your lives are full of iniquity. Now, that wasn't the case with every Pharisee. There were some good people. Nicodemus was a good man. Let's just talk for a moment or two about the incarceration of sin. Number one, to understand something about the characteristics of sin. I mentioned a moment ago how people can sometimes be blinded by their condition. The Jews in the first century, many of those Jews, because they had the law and because of their Abrahamic ties, they believed in their heart of hearts that they were okay. They didn't need a Savior. They didn't need the Messiah. And yet you remember Jesus said in John chapter 8, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. They had the opportunity to see the Son of God firsthand in the flesh. So what about the characteristics of sin? Number one, sin is blinding. That was the problem in the first century. In John chapter 12, you remember, John tells us that though Jesus had done so many signs among them, yet they believed not in Him. Hard to believe, isn't it? That folks who had the opportunity to see firsthand the miraculous, that they would turn a deaf ear to Jesus as the Son of God, those signs authenticated His claims of deity. Furthermore, they confirmed the word that He preached or taught, that it was from God. I like what Peter said in John chapter 6. When some of those Jews, disenchanted with what He had to say about being the bread of life, went back and walked no more with Him. Jesus then asked the question, Will you also go away? And Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of life eternal. Peter understood something about the Christ and his message. But in John chapter 12, the Bible tells us that John quoted the prophet Isaiah. He quotes Isaiah chapter 53, Lord, who has believed our report? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? But then he goes back and quotes Isaiah chapter 6 and said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, understand with their heart, and turn, lest I should heal them. Isaiah, in a very graphic way, depicted the hard-heartedness of the people of the Lord's day. Now these people were blind to the one before whom they stood, 
They were blinded by truth. Is it possible for people today to be blinded to the truth of God? And the answer unequivocally, yes. Did you know that you could listen to the gospel every single Sunday? You could read the scriptures from cover to cover and still be blinded to your spiritual condition. We're talking about religious people here. I mean, these folks, they prided themselves in the law. And yet, they were so blind religiously. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, Paul talks about the God of this age who has blinded the minds of them which believe not. What about you today? Are you blind to your spiritual condition? Is it possible that sometimes we can see the sins of other people, but we can't see our own? That ever happen? Are there people that want to divert the spotlight from themselves and shine the light on other people? Is it possible for us to feel better about ourselves when we look at the mistakes of other people? Sure. You know, we flipped the script. Sin is not only blinding, but it is binding. That's exactly what Jesus said. Jesus said that those who commit sin are the slaves, servants, or bondservants of sin. You know anybody in the world today who is enslaved to a certain way of life? Are there not people in America today that when they woke up, the very first thing that they began thinking about was the need for another drink? Are there people in America that have already awakened to a new day and they're thinking about that next fix? Sin is binding, isn't it? The devil knows that. You know, when I go back and look at the Scriptures and begin sifting through the adversarial work of the devil, the devil will promise you the world, and here's the bottom line, he can't deliver on anything. But we buy into what he sells, don't we? Didn't John say, love not the world, neither the things which are in the world? If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. How many people today have become enslaved to the devil because of lust? Know anybody like that? Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 2 talks about people that are taken captive by the devil. Now note, to do his will. They're a servant of the devil. They just don't know it. Now I know that there are people in our world today, they have the idea that if they were to become a Christian, that somehow God would prohibit them or restrict them from enjoying life. To the contrary. God doesn't want us to come to Him so that He might restrict our way of life, but what He wants to do is to give us great blessings in life. 
And the bottom line is, choices have to be made. These folks had to make a choice in their day. Sin is blinding, binding, and burdening. If you don't think sin is a burden, go back to the garden. and Look at the first couple. The mayhem that they brought into their lives because they made the decision to disobey God. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 11, the Bible tells us that there is a principle at work. It's true in the physical realm. It's true in the moral realm. Every seed brings forth after its own kind. If you want to know something about the burden of sin, look at the life of Cain. God marked him. If you want to know something about the burden of sin, look at the life of David. David was a man after God's own heart. But David did some very foolish, foolish things. And how'd that work out for him? Not only did he burden his own life, but he brought burdensome problems to the lives of a lot of people. Well, what about Solomon? Solomon is a picture of the burden of sin. Matter of fact, the wise man said in Proverbs chapter 13, the way of the transgressor is hard. Look at Judas Iscariot. Judas knew something about the burden of sin. Demas got caught up in the world. Did he know something about the burden of sin? Yes. What about the prodigal son in Luke 15? Jesus talked about that young man. Received his inheritance, went out into a far country, and there wasted his substance on what? Righteous living. Well, how'd that work out for him? Not so well. Sin is burdening. The guilt and the shame of sin will destroy. Now there's a second thought here. What about the consequences of sin? You know, sin leads to a life of destruction. That's the bottom line. Wherever the devil goes and wherever people are ensnared in his traps, you find a wake of destruction. Now the whole Bible centers around God's redemptive plan. And the reason God intervened on behalf of man was because of the destructiveness of sin. Is it possible that we minimize the effects of sin today? The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. John writes that those who commit sin are literally the bondservants of sin. So, sin's a reality, yes. Now, these people didn't think they needed a Messiah or a Savior. And yet Jesus was in their midst to do what? To help them. To encourage them. To accept Him for who He was. Now there's a second thought I want to share with you. 
First, we talk about the incarceration of sin, but secondly, there is the examination of self. Whenever you pick up God's Word and begin reading and studying this book, you're looking into a mirror, aren't you? How many of you looked in the mirror before you, before you left home today? Anybody look in a mirror? I doubt any of us, with the exception of small, small children, I doubt any of us left home without looking in the mirror. Now here's the thing about a mirror. A mirror will show you exactly what you look like. It'll show all of your imperfections if the light is good. When you pick up this book and begin reading and studying this book, you know what it's going to do? It's going to show, number one, who you are, and number two, it's going to show you where you are in life. In Hebrews chapter 4, the Bible tells us that God's Word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. The intent of the Word of God is to pierce the heart. And the idea is that God's Word might bring about conviction. The Hebrew writer said that God's Word is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Can I tell what I'm really made of by looking into the mirror of God's Word? Well, the answer would be yes. But in order for me to have a clear picture of where I am, I've got to be honest, don't I? And we talk about the examination of self. What Jesus was trying to get these folks to do was to see themselves as they really were. And Jesus said in verse 32, You shall know the truth. The truth shall make you free. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul would say, Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Now what I want to do is take the Word of God, open it up, and have an open mind to look objectively into the Word. Not subjectively, but objectively. That requires, number one, a thorough examination. This past Friday, I went to the doctor. Had to go for a checkup, as many of you have done throughout this year. Some may have on the calendar for 2024. A checkup, a physical checkup, where they check you from head to toe. You ever heard the old expression, from stem to stern, from the front to the back of a ship? When it comes to our spiritual life, we need to be willing to examine ourselves. It has to be a thorough examination. Can't leave anything out. If God were to look into your heart today, what would He see? God not only knows your heart, but He knows the motives in your heart. Now, you can fool a lot of people in this world, but you can't fool God. One of the reasons why 
many of the Jews in Jesus' day did not accept him was because, number one, they were not thorough, and number two, they were not truthful. When Jesus said, you shall know the truth, the truth shall make you free. Do you remember what they said? We're Abraham's descendants. We've never been in bondage to anyone. Let me tell you what. Now you talk about, you talk about a lie. That was a lie. Their history as a nation was one of servitude and bondage time and again. Had they forgotten about being in Egypt? Had they forgotten when the northern kingdom went into Assyrian captivity? Had they forgotten that the southern kingdom, Judah, went into Babylonian captivity? Had they forgotten that they were under Roman rule at that time, that they were being oppressed? Let me tell you what, sometimes, quite frankly, we just don't have an honest and good heart. And if you don't have an honest and good heart, you can't come to the truth. You can't come to the Lord. That was their problem. And sometimes we have heart problems. When Jesus said in Luke 8, 15, that that seed that brings forth fruit falls on an honest and good heart. I want you to think about something. You cannot have a good heart if you do not have an honest heart. That's the bottom line. If you don't have an honest heart, you don't have a good heart. So when you look into the Word of God, when you open the Scriptures and begin looking at your life, what do you see? Not what do you see in your neighbor, but what do you see in your life? It's not about deflecting the mirror from my personal life to the life of somebody else, but rather it's seeing me, the good the bad, and in some cases, even the ugly. So what do you see? The spotlight was on the Jewish people in Jesus' day. They were trying to kill the Son of God. And listen to what Jesus said. He said, I know that you're Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me, and here's why. Because my word has no place in you. Please don't take this the wrong way. But I can preach every single Sunday from this pulpit. If I were to leave and somebody follow me, and they were to be, and they were to be committed to preaching and teaching the truth of God, it would be impossible to change your course of life if God's Word has no place in you. You understand what I'm saying? Let me give you a passage of Scripture that ought to cause all of us to think. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul talks about God sending a strong delusion 
that people might believe a lie and be condemned. And here's why. Because they loved not the truth. Now here's what I want to say. Truth separates the wheat from the chaff. If you do not love the truth of Almighty God, it will separate you. I want to believe that those of us who are here today love the Word of God and we love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. And despite the claims of some, you cannot separate the Word of God from Jesus. It does not work that way. You can't have this feel-good relationship with Jesus separate and apart from His Word. That means if you have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, you live like that. If somebody uses bad language, if they're continuing to cuss and use profanity, they are not living a sanctified life. If somebody sets before the world a bad example with what they say, that's not a sanctified life. If how you dress is indicative of the world around you, that's not a reflection of being sanctified in Christ Jesus. If you're drinking alcohol, smoking dope, if you're popping pills, I'm here to tell you, that is not a reflection of a sanctified life. If you watch pornography, that is not a reflection of a sanctified life. Now, sometimes we got to get down on the level where people understand the truth of God. The people in Jesus' day, they were all about putting on a show. The problem was their heart was bad. Solomon said, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. Solomon also said, as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Now I want you to listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus said, by their fruits you shall know them. The Lord knew exactly what was going on in the lives of the Pharisees because of the fruit that they were bearing. Really not what I think, but it's about what God thinks, isn't it? The word on the street, the Pharisees, man, they were something else. They were the very picture of godliness. And the Lord said, let me tell you what, you are corrupt to the core. Called them an offspring of vipers, snakes. And he added this, how shall you escape the judgment of hell? Now, there's a third thought I want to share with you very quickly. The liberation by the Savior. Jesus said, if the Son makes you free, you're free indeed. To see my life as it really is. To see a life broken by sin. To understand the gravity of sin in life. And that here is the man who has the answer to my sin problem. 
Aren't you grateful for Jesus? Why are we here today? Isn't it because of Jesus? Because of what Jesus did on Calvary. Jesus in John chapter 8 talks about being lifted up among them. And then they would come to know that He was who He claimed to be. Jesus said, And I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto Myself. The drawing power of the cross. They were in the presence of Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God, who came to save them from sin. The one of whom Paul said, Him who knew no sin, He became sin on our behalf. The one of whom Peter said, He bore our sins in His body on the cross that we being dead unto sin might live unto righteousness. Aren't you grateful for Jesus? Aren't you thankful that Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. He is the one that accesses us to the Father. So there is the man who will set us free. But the message equally is important. Jesus said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You know why we preach the truth? Because it is the only thing that will save. That's it. There's not another message. I'm not here to waste your time talking about philosophy. I'm not here to waste your time talking about something other than what God has said in His Word. That would be an injustice to you. Now I understand sometimes God's Word, as Jeremiah said, is like a hammer. And he said it breaks the rock in pieces. God's Word is designed to break your heart up. But if you go too far, that word can continue to hit, and guess what? It's not going to do a thing. You know why? Hard. The message that will save. It's only the gospel. In John chapter 3, Jesus talked about the new birth. The new birth is the prerequisite to entering the kingdom of God. That means you've got to believe Jesus is the Son of God. You've got to be willing to repent of your sins. You've got to be willing to confess His name before others and then be immersed in water. And the assurance is all of your sins will be washed away. Isn't that a wonderful thought? And we talk about turning the page. Maybe 2023 has not been a good year for you. The reason is because you've continued to try to do things your way. Maybe because you have yet to turn to the remedy for sin. If you want to get your life on the right track, then obey the gospel. That's it. If you're here today and you're caught up in a life of sin, Peter talks about those who have forsaken the right way and gone astray. If that's you, Understand that Jesus is bidding you to come. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. Could we pray with you and for you today as we stand and sing?